Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Just this week, a young South Korean K-pop idol took his own life. And he's not the only one. In the past two years, four K-pop stars have met the same fate, with many calling on the industry to take a good hard look at itself and the impossible standards they expect their idols to live up to. Today, we look at the gruelling training regime, the insane beauty standards, hysterical fans and cyber hate that exists in the world of K-pop. Just a warning, today's episode of The Quickie discusses suicide. If this is triggering for you, perhaps wait for our next episode. And if you are in a dark place right now and need some help, please call Lifeline 13 11 14. Since Psy went to number one across the world with his catchy hit Gangnam Style back in 2012, K-pop has been on the Western world's radar. With their stylish girl and boy bands, highly choreographed routines and incredibly well-produced film clips, the music and the stars, like the boys of BTS, have become global sensations. But in recent years, stories have emerged of the industry's questionable practices, the gruelling years of training where the idol wannabes are barely eating or sleeping, and the constant social media scrutiny of their looks and private lives, which can lead to serious psychological distress. In 2017, one of the members of the group Shiny, 27-year-old Kim Jong-hyun, ended his life, leaving a note saying, I am broken from the inside. The depression that has slowly eaten away at me has finally consumed me, and I couldn't beat it. In October this year, 25-year-old Sully from the girl group FX ended her life after complaining publicly about misogynistic internet trolls who came after her after joining a feminist group who advocated not wearing a bra. In November, we lost 28-year-old Guhara from Kara, who was also the target of online hate, trolls spreading rumours about her having plastic surgery. She eventually admitted she'd gone under the knife to fix her, quote, droopy eyes. She was also fighting her ex-boyfriend, who was allegedly threatening to release a video of them being intimate together. She pleaded with the trolls to stop, saying things on her Instagram account like, is there no one out there with a beautiful mind who can embrace people who suffer? Then this week, 27-year-old K-pop star and actor Chai Ha was found dead in his home. The member of Surprise You posting one last time online a message to his followers. Everybody, watch out. So can we link their lives as K-pop idols to the state of their mental health? Known as Hallyu or the Korean wave, K-pop has been at the forefront of a global push for Korean music and culture into the wider international audience since the early 2000s. Since then, some of the companies who create K-pop idols have been embroiled in controversy surrounding the practices their stars are put through in order for them to debut. 
including that some of their female stars are prostituted out to businessmen as high-profile escorts. The fans of K-pop are also known to be some of the most fanatical in the world, with cases of stars' phones being tapped, people breaking into their homes and cameras being placed inside to watch them. There are anti-fans who sabotage the perceived competitors of their favourite groups, cutting power to gigs, dragging them off stage, signing petitions calling on them to take their own lives, and in one case, even spiking a drink with poison. Kaya Boyd, an American woman who now lives in South Korea, was recruited as a K-pop idol trainee. She told the Asian Boss YouTube channel that once she was in, her life went into lockdown. Your personal life is not your personal life anymore. Everything can be monitored. It made me feel so alone and I felt so isolated and I hated it. She also says at her height, around 5 foot 8, you'd need to weigh in at around 49 kilos. The minimum healthy weight, not maximum, minimum for someone that tall is 57 kilos. She says she was also encouraged to change her appearance surgically. Before I came to Korea, I never thought that there was anything wrong with me. I didn't think that there was anything about my appearance that I needed to change until someone from my company told me that my head shape was weird. They suggested that I could have gotten surgery to fix my head shape. To be honest, we're in Korea where plastic surgery, it knows no boundaries. I was considering, I was really thinking about it because I felt really insecure and it made me feel like I was ugly. Tamar Herman is a Forbes contributor and the K-pop correspondent for Billboard. Tamar, how do these young guys and girls get involved in becoming a K-pop idol? Are they all recruited by the companies? Are they signing up willingly? It works both ways. So people will go and audition for companies. There's a big industry in South Korea, programs to learn how to sing, dance, act, and they'll set up interviews with with their talent. So feeder programs, essentially, and many K-pop stars come from these feeder programs. And then there's also recruiting. So there's stories of K-pop stars saying, oh, you know, I was at an amusement park. I was walking outside of my school recruiters go to places where young people hang out and often will go and scout people there. Pretty much it's a little bit of both. It's people looking for it and people getting found. Now then, when they are recruited, they go into like a trainee program, don't they? And that can last a year, a couple of years until they get to a point of what they call debut, which is where they come out and they can start releasing songs and all of that gear. But the the trainee program is really tough. Uh, Yes. So each company that uh, puts out these quote-unquote K-pop idols uh, or idol groups. They do have their own training system. Sometimes it can last a year. Sometimes it can last a matter of months, depending on what the company is up to. If you know they're releasing a new group and you're a perfect fit for it and you just come under their wing, they'll put you in it right away. And there's famous stories of people training for upwards of eight years, which is kind of traumatizing for <laughs> an individual to hear putting eight years of your life into this thing that may or may not happen. If they're students, they'll go to school in the morning. And then in South Korea, it's very popular for people to go to after school tutoring for hours. So instead of doing that, you'll go to your company and you'll go and train and you'll train until the nighttime usually. And the expectation is, you know, that they'll eat dinner there, that they'll spend most of their day there until they go home to go to sleep and then they'll go to school and then they'll come back. And that's the life cycle of these trainees who want to be K-pop stars. And monthly evaluations are quite common. So every single month you have a little competition where you're performing for people at your company and proving that you're an investment that they should keep supporting because 
that's what these K-pop trainees are. They're the investment for the company's future in a group or a single soloist. There's been a lot of focus over the years about the beauty standards of K-pop stars. And we know that standards of beauty in South Korea are already different than what we would expect and that there is a high expectation of perfection, but that that is amplified for K-pop stars. During that training process, are they looking at perfecting their look during that time too? Because we hear that it's the plastic surgery capital of the world, South Korea, and that they will often have procedures or go through skin whitening and that their weight is often monitored. Is that still happening now? So K-pop stars do have these expectations of certain style of look. It's very rare, you know, to find a K-pop star who is short. Once in a while, you get someone considerably shorter than other K-pop stars, and you'll just know that they're probably among one of the most talented people in the world because they wouldn't get past as far as they could unless they were exceptionally talented. The word itself that is used is idol, and that brings the idea of like a godly image. And so these stars are supposed to be the perfect representation of beauty standards in this country. If you don't look the exact way that people think a K-pop idol should, you'll often see hate comments. People will regularly get plastic surgery partway through their career, often in response to comments. You'll hear about really intense diets. You'll hear skin whitening is quite common. Something called double eyelid surgery used to be quite popular. Nose jobs, chin adjustments. These are just a reflection of the intensity of the beauty standards in South Korea. And for K-pop stars, that's the norm and that's the expectation. And if you don't fit in that expectation, you're going to have a hard time. And when these guys do debut after they've gone through this traineeship program, Uh, They've signed contracts with these companies and obviously these companies want to make their money back. And we have heard in the past about slavery contracts that these guys were having to sign, which basically signed away a lot of their rights for the entire duration of that contract. And we know that's changed over time. But is it still a case of the company takes the majority of the profits from these guys, especially in their first few years after debut? Are they making any money out of their career to start with? So you do hear quite commonly from stars that they didn't make money until very late in their career or they still aren't making money, you know, two, three years in their career. It really depends on the contract. These contracts are kind of based around the idea of we're housing you, we're feeding you, we're giving you a career that will eventually pay off for you. And so... I I can see the appeal of, I want to be a star. I'm a young person. I'm going to sign this contract. I have heard from people in the industry who feel that often these young stars are being taken advantage of because how can you expect, you know, someone who's 14, 15, even 20, you know, we're all, we're all dumb, even if we get older. Speaking of which, there have been criminal cases in the past of these companies actually prostituting out some of these K-pop idols or idols in training, is that, I don't know, that it's in the contract it'll be under, you know, sponsorship deals or transactions and things like that. Like it's not outright saying you have to sleep with these high-powered men in order for your career to go forward, but it is taking advantage of especially young women in this vulnerable situation. Are there still cases of that happening or has that really been stamped out? To my knowledge, it still happens. It's something that really is part of the seedy underbelly of the industry. It's not considered common from the bigger companies publicly, but we do know that prostitution is quite common in the entertainment industry here. Sponsorship, you'll hear regularly a female star saying, I got offers of sponsorship. Sometimes you'll hear that they left the industry because of it. It's something that is 
reflection, I think, of the society here and the approach towards women. I've read accounts of K-pop stars being targeted by fans who have somehow gotten into their homes and planted spy cameras and that these fans are amongst the most fanatical in the world and that they have gone to some pretty extreme lengths to get close to these people. Do you think K-pop idols are prepared for just how invasive that fame is going to be? I think social media has really changed it. So maybe people who are debuting nowadays recognize that it's going to happen. But there's kind of that middle ground where if you don't have fans you know, watching you, then you're not popular. And if you do have fans watching you, then you're always going to be watched. But I think that most stars think I can handle it because either they've grown up with social media being so pervasive that it's just, you know, how it is. Or if they're older, it's just now the way the world works. You kind of have to accept it. We've seen with the K-pop stars who've recently taken their own lives that the common theme here seems to be that they've all been really hardcore cyberbullied. Is this something that is being taken to task? Are these companies and this management trying to do something to crack down on the cyberbullying? Or is it one of those things, again, that's just par for the course when you become a K-pop idol? There actually was a formal petition by one organization in the entertainment industry here to get comments turned off on articles relating to K-pop stars and related to entertainers because it's such a problem here. But that's unfortunately the state of, you know, social media and and just media in general nowadays is that people are having this dialogue and people are going to talk. You can't stop people from talking the way that stars are going to have to face it is going to have to change. And I think companies have a big responsibility because as we were talking about before, companies do take management of pretty much every part of a star's life in this industry. And so that includes your mental health and that includes the way that fans are interacting with you. So I think that every single instance where a celebrity is saying, I'm having a hard time, and it's partially because of social media comments, the company is at a fault here because you can't let an individual face this without giving them precautions. You have to give them a support system. And I think that the support system is something that many companies are now learning. South Korea has one of the highest suicide rates of all the world's developed nations. An OECD report using data from 2016 found 25.8 in every 100,000 South Koreans ended their own lives, down from 33.8 in 2009. Their success-driven culture, a high youth unemployment rate, cyberbullying, a culture of sharing information on self-harm and glorifying suicide, along with the idea in South Korea that suicide is an individual's problem, not a societal one, is being blamed for so many lost young lives. The government there is now trying to drop that rate to 17 in 100,000 by 2022. Their national suicide prevention plan aiming to build a network for at-risk groups through welfare and safety support systems and providing aftercare for those who've already tried to take their own lives. Hopefully, one of the at-risk groups they focus on are K-pop stars and the intense world they inhabit before any more young idols are lost. This episode of The Quickie was produced by Ellie Beatty. Audio production by Ian Camilleri. For more episodes, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash the quickie. And if you want us to look into a news story for you, shoot us an email. You can find us at thequickie at mamamia.com.au. 